Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Thank you all very much for your patience. And Emily, thank you so much for joining me today. I know that um, I've set a, a 90 minutes for this. And 90 minutes from now, hopefully, will get will will give us enough time to get our entire podcast in. So thank you, thank you, Emily. Let's we'll go really quickly. I would like you just to tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself. Okay, so my name is Emily Bergen, and I'm 20 years old. I self-publish three children's books, which you can get on Amazon and various other online platforms. Those books are aimed at kids uh, ranging from ages 9 to 12, but older kids and adults can definitely enjoy my books as well. Given my interest in stories, it's no surprise that I also like being in some theater productions too, and I'm also a theater director. Oh, that's So what was your interest in writing and storytelling? When did that all begin? So that began at about 2 or 3. I started Mm -hmm. making up stories out loud, but um, I couldn't really write yet, so I dictated the stories to my mom. So she wrote the text, and I wrote, and I drew the pictures. One of my earliest stories is actually really funny. It was about a character named Bob the Baby, who liked to jump Mm -hmm. on people's heads. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully Bob eventually learned that that's not socially acceptable, but what can I say? I don't know what happened to him. So that was an early character, kind of weird. As I got older, I started writing the text of my stories, yeah. And since I couldn't write many words, the stories didn't really make a lot of sense. So that's how that happened. But then when I was about 9 or 10, I started writing my books on a computer, and so now that's the way I do it. I think that's so that's so great. And, I mean, obviously there was a lot of creativity within you um, from a very early age. That's just kind of who you are <laughs> internally. And I, I can't believe you wrote these three books so quickly. So who who's your audience? Who Who is it that you wrote these books for specifically? Did you have an age range? Yes. So I wrote the Memory Lane series um, for kids ages 9 through 12. But actually most people who have read it are actually their teens or adults. So it, it actually goes out to a lot of age ranges. Um, and it's, that's great because I like it when people enjoy my books. But I hope to get the series into the hands of more kids, like more mm-hmm. young readers. Because I think that a lot of middle school kids are smart, smarter than a lot of us give them credit for. Yes. And I can I can really relate to that age group because I still remember what it was like to be their age. So if anyone here listening knows of a, a kid that age or even one themselves, it would be so cool if they would read my books and enjoy them as much as I do. They were a lot of fun to write. Well, you know what what occurs to me, okay, I probably at nine years old, you're not really sitting down and reading to your children, but you could be reading with your children, 
And I could, you know, a grandparent or mom or dad or, or older brother or sister, I mean, I could see where siblings might really enjoy this together as well because reading sort of crosses all the lines, doesn't it? It it can really appear to so many and and you you've you've been so successful i'm just i'm just very curious how you were able to do this in this entire series in just two two years what was that journey like yeah so i i knew about um self publishing on amazon for a while before i did it and by the way if you don't know self publishing is when you publish a book online without going through a real publishing company. So, like, if you look on the back of a lot of books, it says, oh, this book was published by so-and-so publishing company. So I did it through um, the online retail store, whatever it's called, the Amazon website. Um, And Uh some people I knew had done self-publishing. But then it wasn't until I started writing, Memory Language Moved, when the adventure of publishing just took off and the first book went through some big changes and then – and then the book developed into a series, and I published a book for every single year, almost on the exact same day, which I did on purpose. That's so interesting. That, that's 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 very that's very interesting. And you know, I've t- I have a lot of authors uh, that join me. Um, n- maybe not many as young as you. And I must congratulate you. I know you're a college student, and you're like you know 20 years old, and here you are. You've already self-published three books. I think that's really cool, and a lot of people are not aware of that, and I know that um, you have some really important information to share about that um, as we as we continue our conversation, but let me ask you, um, did you have some inspiration for writing these books to start with? Yeah, so I watched, are you familiar with the movies about Jason Bourne? No, I, I well... No, I'm not necessary. Wait, go on. Tell me more. Maybe I will say, oh, yeah, I remember that. I th- Well, they're from, I think, about the time I was born. Um, they're about this man with amnesia, and he has to figure out, like, his past. I don't know a lot right. about it, but I just, yeah. I watched one, some of, part of one of the movies, and it inspired me to start writing a book about an 11-year-old boy named Travis who had amnesia and who had been trained in self-defense. But eventually, I just I kind of cut out that self defense part. I was like, eh, not really working. So, um, and then I started reshaping his character and the story and the whole um, series, and it started kind of evolving uh, and changing. And then that that became the series. That's that's interesting. Did you did you think when you first got started that it would likely be a series? Did you think that might happen? I don't I don't think I. Did I'm not really yeah. sure. I never. I had written a couple, like you know, uh, series by myself, just on my computer and just kind of letting some people read them, just like in mm-hmm. my family and stuff. But it, yes. it was really something that I, I'd always I'd wanted to do self publishing for a while. Kind of I was interested in it, but then I was mm-hmm. finally like, okay, I'm gonna just do this. And I actually interesting story actually. Um, I sent part of, well, a version of my first chapter to an author named Andrew Clements. He wrote Frindle, and he wrote a bunch of other best-selling books. I think he wrote over 50 books in his lifetime. And then he got wow. back to me, and he was like, this actually made, this made me want to read more. And I was like, whoa, you know, it was kind of cool to have, like, like praise from an author really? who had done so much. That that must have been highly motivating for you to think, I- I'm on the right track here for me. 
That, that's that's. Yeah. Are there other writers within your family? Or are you just that? Are you that creative one? Actually, my um, teenage sister she likes to write as well, and then my older sister she did a little bit of writing too. So all of us have, you know, tried tried to write stories before. It's interesting, and as we as we move through our conversation today. You just you are on the creative side of life because you you also love to sing and perform, and I know that about you as well. And it's really interesting because um, my daughter the same the same way she she liked all of what you just described, but she didn't major. I believe you're majoring in history in college. Is that right? Yes, I'm getting history. Yes, yeah, yeah. So she 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 actually majored in, in theater arts and she loved to write. Um, Let's talk about let's talk about Travis. Let's talk about your first first book, Memory Lane Was Moved. So tell tell us about you you gave us a little bit of a synopsis about him having amnesia, but what what tell us a little bit more about that book. Okay. So Memory Lane Was Moved is about an 11-year-old named Travis who wakes up with amnesia and has to fight against a company that wants to spy on the government using sanitizer. Travis can't remember his past, but he makes friends who try to help him cope with his memory loss. An elusive group called Scam is planning to release a product into the world that will spy on them, and Travis sets out on a mission to stop them, hoping to find his parents along the way. Huh. How interesting. Gosh, what an interesting concept. And then, then you wrote a second book, correct? Yes, I did. The journal is important. And what? Tell us about that. Well, in the next book, Travis, <laughs> it, he's still struggling with memory loss, and he recognizes a man from the park who presents him with a dilemma. The man says his name is Fletcher and that he's one of Travis's oldest friends, and then he reveals some exciting news. Travis's parents have been spotted nearby, and Travis has been looking for his parents for a while. So Fletcher says that Travis has to help him come up with a plan to coax him out of hiding, and they'll be reunited. But the problem is that Lewis, a 14-year-old guitar player who is introduced in the last book, he insists that Fletcher is not who he says he is. So there's all this kind of, well, no, this is how it works. This is how it works. People are saying different things. Um, and then up against the choice between which friend to side with, Travis is distracted with his desperate desire to see his parents again, the parents he doesn't even remember. Wow, and and the parents, as far as Travis knows, the parents are not looking for him. He doesn't really yeah, he doesn't know. know. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't know. And as mm-hmm. is in part of your book, and maybe even in the first book, is Travis just alone, or just with amnesia? I mean, where, where is Travis? Where is he? Where is he living? At the, the beginning of the, the journal is important. He's living with his friend, Lewis, who helped him out in the last book. So he does have a place to stay because, you know, he's 11. He kind of he needs someone to help take care of him. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he's under a lot of pressure, I'd say. But so just to be clear about these two characters, we've got Fletcher and we've got Larry. Mm-hmm. Is that, Are those the two characters you just talked about? I talked about... Fletcher and Lewis. So Fletcher is the oh, one Lewis, who that's right. Up, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, too many L names. I should stop doing yeah, that. There you go. So what are the motivations 
or do you delve into the motivations behind both of those characters in your book? Yeah, so um, Fletcher, the man who shows up, it's kind of hard to know exactly if he's telling the truth or not. He's saying some things that kind of make some sense, but it that's kind of the whole problem with the book. It's like, well, Fletcher just showed up, but, you know, he says he's Travis's friend, but is he really? And you don't know. And then Lewis, he, um, you know, he, he's tra- one of Travis's best friends, but he says, no, 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 Fletcher, he's not, he's not, he's not on our side. Um, but how, how did he know, right? So that's the problem. It's like, what, who, which friend to listen to? And that's probably a problem that a lot of kids that, um, Travis's age sometimes run into is, you know, which friend should I listen to? Right. And, and, you know, frankly, uh, look at how many kids could actually relate to that anyway, right? I mean, when you, when you're thinking about who you're, um, applying, who this, who you're looking to, um, you know, attract as your readers you know i could see where this could be you know part of what goes on with that right i mean you know who do i leave who do i who do i listen to who do i who do i follow who do, who's giving me the right information you know i could see where that that drives a, a, a dilemma are there any are there any girls in the in any of the characters or are they all mainly um males there is, there are a couple of side characters who are girls, and then also um, Travis, in the very first book, the very first person who actually helps him is a girl named Sadie, who's his age, and he's really, he's really um, kind of, like, totally into this adventure. Like, she's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, this is going to be fun, and then when it looks like Travis might leave, she gets really upset, because she actually doesn't, at, at school, she gets kind of bullied, and so having a friend in Travis is really important to her. So you you do have Trav you do have him sort of going to school. I mean he he you have him he's in search and he's confused because he doesn't have any memory, but he's still becoming he's still going to school or he's still having friends or how how does Travis's personality develop? He does go to school eventually, um, but then he gets relocated to another school. So that's another problem with his life. It's just it's so shaky, and things just keep happening. So there's there's not a lot of stability, which is a problem for him. But he does the friends that he does have. Um, sometimes he's nearby them, so he can talk to them. But you know, if he's relocated due to like security problems, then he might not be able to talk to them. So that's another issue that his character faces is being separated from his friends over and over again. Right, right. Oh, poor Travis. All right. Yeah, so I, know. <laughs> I mean, really. And so then that's not enough for you. So you decide, wait a minute, I'm going to do one more book. And that one's called The Rookie Has a Mission. So I'm just, okay, so we all want to know what's that book about. Yeah. So, it's the, yeah, like you said, it's the last book in the series. And it's written from the point of view of Travis's teenage friend, Lewis. So the perspective does shift, which might sound like kind of a, ooh, a dangerous move, but I, I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, Travis is relocated, and then um, Lewis has to try to live a normal life without dangerous dangerous missions and car change chases. So kind of the all the adventure kind of moves away, um, mm-hmm. except uh, he does know Larry, and Larry um, is the head of a top-secret organization, but he's reluctant to help to let Lewis help out much. But then 
one assignment that Larry gives him goes wrong, and then Lewis is pitted against a dangerous enemy. So then Larry goes missing, which is not good. And Lewis oh, is boy. suddenly put into a position of authority over Larry's agents. With a lot of enemies closing in and people looking at him for direction, the 14-year-old has to make some decisions and face whatever consequences they bring. So he's in a position of authority, and it's like, oh, maybe a little too much. Wow. I guess I just I I'm trying to imagine you and writing all of this and I and I, I would like to tell people because um, I didn't do that in the beginning and I know we we were we were delayed quite some time but you are so gracious and kind that you just made this work and so did I so I do want to spell your name for people so that they can find you on your website so Emily is spelled traditionally E M I L Y. But I'm going to continue to spell your last name, which is B-E-R-G-R-E-N. So it's Emily Bergen Books, B-O-O-K-S dot WordPress dot com. And that's where you will find all kinds of things about Emily. You'll see her sweet face. You'll see that she writes a blog. She does all kinds of things on this website, and I think you'll find that also very, very interesting because she actually is very helpful, too, because I think inside you is very much a teacher, whether it's um, working with young people um, academically by writing and things like this, or um, when we get a little bit later, we're going to be talking about your musical side, which I also find so fascinating. But I think it would be very helpful. Everybody doesn't go through the writing process in the same way, based on people's experience, based on just life, life experiences. And so I'm interested in knowing your writing processes like. How, how do you go about writing? So it all starts, like it does with a lot of people, with an idea. And I'm I'm really a random person. And sometimes I just get this sudden, unusual idea for a story. It just kind of pops in my head. I'm like, oh, okay. So then I write it down. Or I can even start the story right away. I'm not really much for doing a lot of, like, extensive planning and chapter-by-chapter outlines before I start. I know a lot of writers mm-hmm. do. But for me personally, that just it inhibits my creativity. So I, I, I do it a little bit, but not, not a lot. I don't want to feel like my story is like trapped in a box and it needs to go a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, lately, I've been focusing on one specific project and working on it several times each week. So every morning I'll, I'll work on it if I can, which has been going pretty well for me, I think. Um, also, one of the ways that I get a lot of work done is I start writing. And eventually I reach the stage where I start typing faster and faster and then progress really happens. And I know with my second book, The Journal is Important, uh, it was a project I'd been working on for well, kind of a while, but then I got into the groove and it was exciting. And by the end of the night, I was just, I was done. I, I ran downstairs and I'm like, mom, the book's done. So that was oh gosh. So that's, this, this is very interesting because everyone, Emily, everyone has their own style you just talked about typing fast. I will talk to other yes. people. They're 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 older, but I will talk to other people, and they will do bullet points, and they'll do it in a notebook, or they'll they'll start a spreadsheet, and they'll think, well, I want to do a chapter about this, and I want to do a chapter about that, 
and and it sounds more organized. Let's put it this way: what you, what the word that you use, which I really appreciated, is you use the word random, <clears throat> and to me that means just like what you just said: you're not in a box. You might be thinking about one thing, and suddenly you think, oh. Well, I hadn't really thought about that. So if you do that, do you at least have a place where you might just write that random thought down and know I need to come back to it because I, I don't want to forget it? Or do you let the random thought take you down another path? I actually I have this document where I put all of the ideas that are like uncorrelated, unconnected, um, into I plugged them into it's actually super funny because I was looking through it today it had all these ideas for characters and stories and I just found this this sentence that said it wasn't even the full sentence it just said a pet named Mr. Cornflake and I was like hmm okay huh. I don't know if I'll ever use that but it was it was it was funny and then it was there's these things in there that I might never use but at least I have them because I would not be able to remember them well you know I. I think that what you just said is really important. In fact, those of us that don't that are not writers, I mean, I know personally every day I I have something that I post on social media called the word of the day is and I have a word, but sometimes I'll think, "Oh, I wonder if I've ever used that word." Well, I'm a I'm an Excel spreadsheet queen, so I know every single word I've done for the last 5 years alphabetically and also date ordered and and I feel like if I've got this random thought like what you just described, it's like, well, I need to at least write down the dog named Cornflake because that may end up developing into something totally hysterical or maybe it ends up being a cat named Whiskers. Who knows? You know, you don't know where it's going to go, but if you don't write it down when it randomly pops in, then you then you might forget it. But by and large, when you are when you when you ran upstairs to tell your mom, um, or downstairs, I can't remember which way, which direction you were going. But I guess what I'm saying is that you you are sitting in front of a computer and you are just typing away. Is that really what you do? Yeah, yeah. I, I find that that really helps me get a lot of progress done. And a lot of people, um, it's it's hard to initially start. That's probably one of the hardest parts. But for mm-hmm. me, at least, when I just start writing, I have to write, you know, maybe just a few paragraphs, maybe even a few pages. That might be too much, though. I start writing, and then eventually, again, I hit this groove, and the creativity uh-huh. starts coming. Oh, maybe you could do this. Oh, maybe you could do this. Maybe you could do this. And I guess the story starts, and it kind of takes over. Like, okay, here we go. Now we got. Now we're started. It's almost like um, it's like a train. When you when it starts out, it goes, you know, shh, 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 and then it starts going faster, and then you're like, okay, here right. we go. We're in business. So when you sit down and you start your writing, how long would you would how long do you write for? Do, do you write for a half an hour? Do you write for two hours, or does it just depend? Generally, I'd say I think oh, I have to work on this project. I need to get this done, so I sit down and I work on it for a little bit. But I don't. A lot of times, I don't get into the the groove that I'm talking about. The place where I'm like, okay, uh, now I can write for a long time. So generally, I'd say my writing spurt probably go to about maybe maybe 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. But really? I would like okay. to be longer. Okay. And are you more creative in the morning or in the evening? I'd say I've had a lot of success in the evening, but then I thought, well, I do a lot of things in the morning habitually, you know, like brush my teeth and all that stuff. 
So maybe right. if I start writing in the morning when I'm doing all that stuff, then maybe I could start making more progress, like daily progress. And I found that that is mm-hmm. totally what happens. I wake up and I that's, do different things. Yeah. That's what I'll do. Do you always have a paper and a pen nearby you? No, I don't actually. I But I do usually have my computer nearby me, which is where I keep okay. a, a lot of my thoughts. Yes. But if well, I'm not near one, mm-hmm. there has been a couple times when I um, was, like, sitting somewhere and I just thought of something, so I wrote it down on the paper that I had. Yes. Yes. I could see where that would happen. I mean, I could I mean, you live in a in a beautiful state and I know you're full of snow right now, but I mean, I could I could visualize, you know, just being outdoors, maybe walking to class or something. Now, maybe when you're doing that, you are focused on why you are at school, which is not to be writing a book. But sometimes, you know, a hawk flies by and you're going, oh, my God, Harry the hawk, or whatever that might be. I need to remember that because that hawk was a message. You know, I, you know, I just, I don't know, but I, I just, I'm just being random. But I, I, I think that people that are writers oftentimes, oftentimes get writer's block. And if somebody was getting a writer's block, what advice would you give them? Oh, so I I do have several pieces of advice. I even did a video on my YouTube channel about this. So one of them is to exercise. And so I remember a a book that I wrote a long time ago. The initial idea came from when I was on a bike ride. I even remember where I was. And so Mm. um, taking a walk or, or going on a bike ride, it can offer a refreshing change of pace. It can help you stop stressing about, you know, you have to write the story. You don't have to. You just it helps you just start thinking. And another piece of advice that I found is to try talking to someone about your book. Um, so I, I have a sister who also writes, and so I also I come up to her and I'm like, oh, my book's not working, and I tell her the story, and then maybe she'll say, oh, maybe you could do this. And then that sparks another idea. I'm like, oh, maybe I could do this. And then that's when the creativity starts coming. So both of those things have i found to be really helpful. Does your sister have the same genre of writing? No, she, well, I she used to write in fantasy. I think she still does that. We have really different writing styles, um, but we both write. I think we write in different like genres. I focus more on like middle grade, um, which is like you know tweens, and then mm-hmm. sometimes I'll do. I'm now I'm trying to write like a young adult novel, which is more teenagers. So and that mm-hmm. and I focus more on things like um, school secret agent stuff, that kind of thing. I see. That's 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 interesting. So in some ways, I would imagine when you speak to your sister about, okay, I got to I got to talk to you about this. Maybe it's, it's it goes both ways, like a mirror. You know, maybe you're helping her, she's helping you. I mean, maybe you both get helped by that conversation. That that's that's very interesting. Um, so if if we're listening, somebody's listening to this podcast. I know you have a lot of people that follow you, um, and I know that you're very active. Um, what advice if somebody thought, you know, I'm thinking about writing a book, but I don't even know where to start. I don't even what, – what, what advice would you give to somebody if they were thinking about being a writer? I would definitely say if you have an idea for a book, you have to write it down. Just like I have that document, even if it's like really kind of crazy or super specific – just write it down if it sounds like something you'd eventually might want to pursue. Um, 
it, it, it's great because I have, like, again, like I said, my document, it's full of story ideas. I'll probably never get around to doing all of them, but at least I have them, and I can look at them and mm-hmm. say, okay, if I need to start another story, there is something here. Um, and so that's definitely my one of my number one pieces of advice, to write down if you randomly think, oh, I should write a story about a panda that flies to Mexico. That sounds kind of crazy, but just write it down. Maybe sometime you'll develop into a picture book. Right, which which is very interesting because then, well, then that that um, moves you out into the fact that then now maybe you need an illustrator. I I haven't looked at your books. I presume there are no illustrations in your books. Are there illustrations in your book? No, there isn't. I have the the front cover is. I mean, technically it's like illustrated, yes. but I just did right. that graphic design myself. Sure, that was very nice, by the way. But I could see where, you know, maybe as you – I've had a lot of children's authors on my book, I mean on my podcast. In fact, at some point if you would like me to do some connecting because I'm really good at that, um, sometimes people are really good illustrators and someone else uses the words. But I guess you have to know – your it goes back to knowing your audience and who you're looking to write for. And um, and I think that, you know, and you're in the technology world, so that's another thing that you have going as a young adult um, that others may not have that as as well. So I think that you bring you bring your youth to the story, and which takes me perfectly to what I wanted to talk to you, and that is your YouTube channel, which I have um, hyperlinked that in this in our blog and I will make sure I do that again. Let's let's really talk about your YouTube channel. What tell people what it is you do on that. So I have a YouTube channel that goes by my name, Emily Bergren, which you spelled it, but I'll spell it again one more time. Um Bergren is B E R G R E N and I help writers with writing and publishing, specifically people who are just starting out with writing or are having trouble getting a book out. Probably not as much published authors, but there's stuff on that on that channel for them as well. So even if you're a young writer looking to publish someday, or maybe even an older creative person looking into writing a book but not really sure how to do it, my channel can offer a lot of advice and support. Um, and so if any of you are listening and think, oh, I might want to check that out, then just check out the channel and, and subscribe if you think it looks interesting. I really like teaching, as you mentioned before, Marcia, and it's it's a passion of mine. I like I like to be able to offer what I do know to some writers mm-hmm. online. And I mm-hmm. even I actually am now doing something something new. I'm gonna try out. So for any of you aspiring writers out there, I'm now going to offer a free service where I review a portion of your work on my YouTube channel. So I'll make a video about your writing, offering encouragement and advice. All you need to do is contact me through one of my social media pages or email me, and I'll give you a quick message on submission qualifications. I'll be nice, don't worry, and I'll try to help you how I can. If your work meets my submission guidelines, it'll be featured in one of my upcoming videos. And if you're interested in in help and free publicity for your writing through this project, my email is bergrenemily at gmail.com. I think that's perfect. And I'll I'll make sure, Emily, that I, um, with your permission, since you did say it right now, I'll make sure that um, I include your email address 
in our follow-up blog for people if they want to just reach you. I know that they can sure. certainly go to your um, page for WordPress. And there's, it's, I love, I love the photos. I love that old typewriter keyboard. That is so cool. But you do, you, you, um, you're very creative, and I, I really um, appreciate that about you because um, you're sharing it. You're not just keeping it to yourself. And you you never know, Emily. You never know who's listening, who might be saying, or and it could be um, Grandma listening to this podcast, going, "Oh my God, I need to go talk to Susie Q about what I just heard on this podcast today because this this woman Emily might be just. I mean, I can I I wonder if there would have been this kind of an opportunity when my daughter was in middle school. Um, maybe not high school, but middle school, um, and when she was really writing a lot, I wonder what she could have gained by this technology and what it is you're offering, which I think is, I mean, that's very giving and, and really special about you, and that makes you really unique and special in that way. I, I know that um, another thing that's really Another talent. You are multi-talented. Let me ask you, how do you like science and math? Just curious. Oh, I really, and I have to be honest, I'd say I'm more partial to math, but I'm not really into either of those. Yes. Yes. It's, I'm, I'm telling you, I raised a kid like you. So, uh, you know, you have to have that to get into college. But, no, it certainly wasn't her favorite subjects. She liked history like you. She liked writing like you. She liked those that coursework that made more sense to her soul than um, uh, than math and science. But, you know, you needed to get into college. So let's go back to, to um, theater. And I know that... Um, you you are you've been very involved in musical theater. Were you ever in theater that was not musical? Did you ever perform where you weren't singing but you were you were acting? I haven't done a lot of that. I did do um I did take speech class and advanced speech class twice when I was younger, so I knew how to speak up front. And I I did do a couple of like performance things, just you know, not even plays but like um, singing up front at church and that kind of thing, but I didn't really do, I didn't, I've never really done actual plays very much. I see. That's that's that's, that's very interesting. So musical. So if you're on the musical side, being being able to sing, does that should I presume that you also can dance? I actually can't dance very well. It's kind of funny. So when I um, started musical theater I didn't have a lot of experience in you know singing or dancing or anything so I got I had to try to grab the opportunities as they came and so actually something kind of funny about me a little bit of trivia is I practiced singing every night in my room with the door closed with one of those karaoke microphones it's kind of loud but I think (laughs) I think it's helped me as a performer I think it's really made my voice a lot stronger I definitely would definitely say that helped me a lot and I tried learning some dance things on my own and of course when you're in musical theater they will teach you oh here's a dance thing but I I I came into the field knowing not much about it at all and as a performer I also came into the field like knowing like like zero pretty much that's interesting but you and when you talk about musical theater um 
you know, so you you did start out as a performer. I mean, you 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 did perform, correct? Yes. You I want to tell I people started... about your experience in that? Sure. So it was actually a really great experience. Hmm. So as a kid, I was really shy, very nervous, and I still am kind of shy and nervous anyway. But um, I made films when I was younger, and I starred in them, and I, I called myself an actress, but I wasn't really, I wasn't really involved in any local theater company. But then, when I was 16, so kind of older for starting out with acting, I, I read this book called Ballet Shoes, and it was this old, super interesting book about some girls involved in dancing and theater. I would highly recommend it. I still love it. It's really cool. And then... Around the time I was reading that story, someone I knew contacted my mom and said that her young daughter was going to be in a theater workshop, but she couldn't make it. And then, and here's the big thing, and then she mm. offered this spot to me, and the workshop was on the next day. So it was different from anything I'd ever done, and it was so sudden. But I decided, okay, I'm going to do this. Even though I don't know what to expect, really, I'm going to try it. So I tried it, and I enjoyed it so much. I was bitten with the theater bug really hard. So then later on, I was able to be in um, productions of Sleeping Beauty and Susical in the coming years. And was was it called Susical in those days? Was it called Susical the musical? Yes, yeah, it was a shortened version, but yeah, that was that was okay. I liked that musical. And and so you were and and did you where where did you perform where when you um. When you were performing, were you performing at theaters? Where were where where were you doing these? So the production of Sleeping Beauty was with a company that actually does um, productions outside. It's really kind of cool. So we did it in a backyard, and then um, and then with Musical, they did it at a performing location that wasn't really a theater. It was a church in like at the basement of the church, but it had a stage and it had um, microphones and that kind of thing. So it was able to provide somewhat of a sort of theater experience to uh-huh. you know sound and lights and that kind of thing. It's interesting because I'm sorry I keep bringing my daughter into this, but she performed. She was Juliet in high school. Oh wow. Cuz she was very tiny, small small young woman, teenager. But and it was we're talking high school now and cuz there was a drama there was a drama um class and they called it the small stage. And basically what they did was the the audience was not sitting in the audience facing the stage. The audience was on the stage facing wow. her and the people that performed. So it was what they called little theater, which was which was very interesting. And you know, uh and she she was never a singer, so she she was she was definitely on the um, acting side um, of this, and um, didn't didn't sing. And they actually I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but there's a program at Northwestern called the Cherub Program, and it's designed for um, um, kids that are going into the their junior year of high school, I believe. I don't know if it was a senior or junior. It might have been a senior year where you could actually, in that summer, going to senior year, where you actually could apply, if you were fortunate enough, and be part of what they call their Cherub program. And then you had, it was a six-week program at Northwestern. It was 
pretty sensational, probably one of the better experiences of her life in this regard. But, you know, it's it's interesting when you get on stage because you just become that person, don't you? you you're not Emily anymore. You're that person, right? You're whoever it is you're yeah, you- starring to be. You try to think in the way the character would like respond. So, like, if some, the character on stage is saying, "Like, I really like that cake," you have to think, "Oh, do I like not do I Emily like that cake, but do I Maisie LeBird like that cake?" So you got to try to pretend you're that person. Right. How long does it take? So, when you were doing musicals, was there um, um, an orchestra, a band, who who was um, supporting you musically when you're singing? So it, they're all pre-recorded. So, but we had some um, people up in like the tech booth, clicking, you know, play and pause, so that we knew when it was time. Um, but that's the way we usually did it. But I think it would be kind of fun to sing with a live orchestra because then they could adapt to however you're singing. Like if for some reason you shouldn't be, but like for some reason you start singing too fast, they could try to adapt to fit that. Yeah, I could see. I Yeah, and you know what? You're making me, I mean, I'm going back a very long time ago, and I'm trying to think if there were times, and I believe there were times, where there was, like you said, the technical support in the soundstage that was playing something, and, and it went along with the production. So I, I do kind of remember that. I think it it requires a great deal of confidence to be to be a performer. Would you agree? I would say it can sometimes. I know, I see, I see your director too. I know that sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't have conf, it doesn't take confidence. But once you get on stage, it can boost your confidence. So you might not start out that way. But I it see. Can. It also, yeah, and you have to be able to, you know, even go out stage anyway. Mhm. Well, that that's so okay. So you didn't mention this, but I believe you're also an Annie. Is that right? Yes, I wish that was so fun. I'm going to see that as a Pantages in just a few weeks. That is a fabulous production. What what did you what what was your um role in Annie? So I, I actually played two roles. So I played well first of all at the beginning, I played Sandy the dog. So we didn't have a real dog for this. They decided not to bring in a dog but just have a person play it. And I, I love I love oh, playing God. the dog so much. So I was like, yes. So I got the role for that. And so at the beginning, um, Annie seems tomorrow. And so I just had to kind of react. And um, I had a lot of fun with it because I could kind of improv whatever I wanted to do. Like Annie was singing tomorrow, tomorrow. And then um, she just uh, tried to make me do a trick, like have me twirl around on my hands and knees too. So I oh twirled around. God. I kind of decided to do this thing where I twirled too fast and then stopped and kind of looked all dizzy, and people liked that, so that was fun. And then the other role I had in that was playing Grace Farrell, who was the secretary to Mr. Warbucks, and she's also the friend to Annie. So she's, she has kind of a big role, but mm-hmm. the, the interesting thing about that production was, so I was Sandy on stage, the dog. I had, you know, I had um, my ears, um and so then when I went off the stage, I think I counted it, and I want to say I had roughly, you know, I could be totally off, but it could be somewhere around maybe two minutes at the very most, but I think <gasps> I might have had just to change into my grace costume. So it was, like, really fast. Um, it just depended yes. on how quickly they could move 
the the um the stuff for the next scene and how quickly other people would talk. So it it was like I had everything laid out on a chair. I I went over. I started you know doing all my stuff and everything to make sure I could get because that would not work for me to walk on stage with ears on, you know. <laughs> oh, and I'm trying to picture you. So I'm trying to picture you as Sandy. All right, so you got the ears on. Were you on two feet or were you on all fours? I was on all fours, so that was also oh. kind of hard because. Every day before I went to the theater, my mom would help me uh, bind my legs so that, they, well, just like around the knee, so that I uh-huh. wouldn't like hurt myself. Because sure. um, when you're going on all fours, eventually, and you're, if you're in fours <laughs> too, that that could be pretty bad. So we would we would do that and try to make sure they were all good. Um, and then sometimes I think I don't know. I think a lot of times I did eventually at least once take them off backstage once I turn into Grace. Um, mm-hmm. You couldn't really see them anyway because I had a skirt on, but um, that was one part of the costume that did, I think, sometimes stay on. That's so funny. How long was the production, for, like for Annie as an example? How long did that run? I want to say it was, I think it, the, that the on the website it said it was like 60 minutes, but I want to say it might have been more because sometimes those estimates can be off, especially if, um, people talk not as fast as they do in the actual time where they're timing it. So I want to say, uh-huh. I think it was the 60-minute version, but I think it could have definitely been longer. And there was intermission, so that definitely... I that was going to ask, uh, was, was there intermission? Yeah. 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 That, well, that sounds like a lot of fun. And so that just sort of led you down yet another path, didn't it? So, yeah. Well, so now what are you doing in regards to the theater side of life? So now I'm a theater director. So the company I was musical at, um, they they wanted to employ me as a director in any of the musical that, and so I I acted and I directed in that. So I directed two casts and I was a part of one cast. Um, so that was kind of cool. And so, and since then I've been working at the same company with their programs, and it's just a really cool job. It's it's great to be able to um, go to work and work on something that not only is fun working with kids and teaching, but also it has to do with creativity. And I like to say that it combines two of, like, the things that I like to do, which is children and um, theater, working with children and doing theater. That's just that's just cool. Theater director, like, that's what I am. <laughs> oh, that's so great. How many kids are in your company? Oh, there's a lot. But right now I'm working with about 40. Uh, yeah, 40. Okay. And what production are you actually working on as we speak? Or are you? I don't know. Is it, on, are you? Yeah. We're working on The Wizard of Oz. So a lot of, oh, I think some people God. are, I've heard there's excitement for that because, um, you know, it's it's a classic and everything. And honestly, I will say, I I hadn't watched the movie all the way through until <gasps> I found out that we were going to maybe do it. So then I was like, oh, I was like, I'm going to do Okay. So then I, because I, I, I had started watching it as a teenager, but then I, I stopped. So I'm like, okay, I have to watch this. So I watched it all the way through. And I'm curious to know, are, do you find the witch scary or not? Because I know a lot of people do. Oh, the witch is scary. She's wicked. Yeah. So the funny thing about it is I'd heard a lot of people were scared of her and the flying monkeys too. I know a lot of people that were scary. Um, but I think it's different watching it as an adult because when I watched it, I was like, I didn't find her that 
scary, but I can mm-hmm. see how, like, a kid, if you right. watch it as, you know, four or five-year-old, and then you're like, oh, this is scary, and then maybe you even have, like, um, a nightmare later on, and you're like, oh, this, mm-hmm. is, this is not cool. Just having those memories to, like, live with could kind of shape and color how you think of the Wicked Witch. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I, I watched that, and now we're doing it, and it, yeah, it. I've, I've definitely say I've, I've grown. My fondness for this show has grown. It before it wasn't good. very high at all, but now, yeah. now it's grown. And and what are the age of these forty year old for, for not forty year olds these these forty children? How, what what ages are they arranged in? I want to say our youngest is five or six. I probably would say six, and mm-hmm. the oldest I think the oldest one is fourteen. Okay, yeah. that's that's that's. Do you get to do you get to pick the play or are you hired to just um direct it? I can possibly have some say, but I'm not the one who I'm not the one who picks it, but there uh-huh. are a lot of favorites that I have anyway, so um I What would you like? What would be I mean, I know what I'm thinking of. What what would be one that you would love to direct? Ooh, there's a lot of ones I'd like to direct. I would say I was thinking Hmm, that's kind of a tough question. I do have one specific one I'd like to direct, but I'm not sure if we're going to do it, so I'd better not say what it is. Well, I'll tell you um, what I'd like. I'll tell you what I'd like. Okay. That way, you're not um, you're not compromising that, and you're and you're and saying something, and then something. Why did you do that? I think a tremendous um, musical is The Sound of Music. Um, oh, you know, I love that one. I know. That's what I mean. The, the music is fabulous. Uh, you know, Mary Poppins is another one that's fabulous. You know, there's a lot of really great musicals. And when you when you when you when you're ready to actually perform, do you have more than one performance? Does it does it does it run for a weekend? Does it run for longer than that? How long? You know, when you go through all the trouble to to perform, how many times do the children get to perform? They get to perform three, which I think is probably like the like one of the best things because if you perform once you're like okay I have to do this right otherwise I'm gonna you know I'm gonna fail or whatever and then if you perform twice you can be like the first day you're like yay this is opening night and then the last day it's, oh it's closing night so three is kind of like a good sweet spot uh-huh. to be able to to do it yeah and I I mean if I had my way of it if I was a performer like in a company, I would want to go over and over and over and over again. But like that's, right. that's a lot of money to do. So I think sure. it's kind of a good sweet spot to be able to really experience it and to and to have a couple different goes at it. Mhm, that makes sense. That that I understand that. So what's up next? What's up next, Doc? Are you are you in the process of writing another book? What are you, what are you going to be doing next? Yeah. So I would really like to publish a book traditionally. So traditional publishing, it's different from self-publishing. It's basically publishing through a publishing company. So like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like Random House Inc., that kind of thing. So that's what I'd really like to do. I have a manuscript that's almost ready to start pitching to literary agents. So Wonderful. I, I have high hopes for this manuscript. It's, it's a young adult fiction book, and I've, I've never written young adult before. Young adult is basically the genre for teenagers. So the book that I'm writing right now, I'll just, I'll just say a little bit about it because you never know. But sure. um, it's about a teenager named Leroy whose rich parents suddenly die, and he is sent to a secluded boarding school for geniuses 
where he has to prove how smart and skilled he is or face being eliminated. So that that book has been Ooh. in development for over two years. So wow. I, I have I hope I have hopes for it. So maybe we'll see. And then also, I hope to continue working on content for my YouTube channel. I've got a video coming out on Friday, but it's been a while in the works, so I think that should be fun. Wonderful. Gosh, wow. So this, this, is, this leads me to a question that I just have to ask you. So when you have some free time, God knows, what is it, five minutes a day, um, what do you like to do when you really are not obligated to something in your free time? Actually, I have the thing is I have a lot of free time, but I fill it with stuff like this. So I'm like, oh, oh, I have I have a couple, I have some some hours to kill, so I'm gonna or whatever I'm gonna fill them. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna work on YouTube. But if I'm not working on writing YouTube, um, different things, I have to say that's actually a really tough question. I have to say <laughs> that I'm probably I'm out and about like explore, you know, looking for new adventures, that kind of thing. Um, maybe watching an interesting video because I'm mm-hmm. interested in a lot of different things. A lot of them mm-hmm. have to do with like eating and stuff like that. Um, sometimes spending time with my cats. There, there are sometimes <gasps> nice to be around. And yes. yeah, I, I I didn't mention about my cats, but I had. I my would, come on, cats. you you got to tell me about your cats. I'm a cat mama too. <laughs> so how many cats yeah, do you have? My family has two cats, and one is one is black. His name is Charlie Bear, and the other one is gray, and his name is Chester Rabbit. So they both have names that kind of go with animals that they're not, but um, uh-huh. they kind of look like those animals. So I still kind of spend time with them. It kind of depends on if they want to spend time with me, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, honey, trust me. You, <laughs> if you talk to a cat, you think you're? I I heard myself taught to say a cat owner. That is so. That is the wrong term. Because first of all, cats own us. We don't own them. Um, there's a reason why they're called finicky, and there's a reason why you can't tell me what to do because you can't. And I am trying to wrap my head around that with my cat that I adopted. She's she's eight years old now. I've had her for two years. And she absolutely has a mind of her own, and I don't know why I keep trying to adjust it, because she clearly says, you are not the boss of me. I will do what I want to do when I want to do it. If you don't like where I'm hiding, I guess you'll have to get over it, Mom, because right now I'm hiding. Leave me alone. So I, I'm telling you, it's, it's I don't know, it's, it's been a very interesting journey with my little kitty, but, um, but they're so... I just love petting them. They're calming. You know, they're much different than a dog. Do you, have you ever had a dog? No, I have not. I've, I mean, I've obviously been exposed to dogs. I like dogs. Yes. Actually. They're kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'm one of those rare people who like dogs and cats. I think a lot of people are way on the far side with that, like, oh, mm-hmm. I love dogs only or I love cats only, but I won't be either one of them. And the funny thing about one of, um, Charlie Bear, the cat that my family owns, he does this really strange thing where he will walk into my room at a, probably around 11 o'clock at night every single night. He'll just mm-hmm. bump open my door, scratch at it, and he just wants to walk in and, you know, ask for attention, but he does it at the same time. And I think, I think cats, they do have a schedule, and I think it's almost like they know what time it is, and they have to develop yes. a strange yes. schedule that so don't even make sense a lot yes. of times. 
That's crazy. Well, listen, we are coming to the end of our hour together because you have been so kind and patient. We did have te- we did have issues, but guess what? We worked past them. And I am just grateful that you spent this time with me sharing your story, Emily, because it's a great story. And I'm just so very grateful that you were able to join me on my podcast today. Thank you, Marcia, for having me. It was my pleasure, and we'll make sure that all of your friends will get to listen to it. And thank you all for listening. As always, I'm going to say goodbye for now, and I'll see you next week. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Be grateful. Bye for now.